are. Second Chronicles 5.13. So this may not appear to be a, a very Pentecostal start to a Holy Spirit teaching series. But uh, I've led to, to this scripture this morning. I'll read it out to you. It says, The trumpeters and singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals and other instruments. They raise their voices and praise the Lord with these words, He is good, His faithful love endures forever. And next slide, there it is. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because the cloud, uh, because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. And th this is just my launch pad into growing in the Holy Spirit. So there are many uh, false assumptions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Um, sorry, there you are. It's like I thought he was going to give me something today. But for the Holy Spirit to be active in our church services, we must... Um, one, one of the concepts we have is, is some people think if, if we're going to be a Holy Spirit church, then we have to uh, have loose plans. Or in some churches they say, well, if we want the Holy Spirit to be in our services, we've got to have no plan. So th these are some foundations I want to lay today. Uh, sometimes we, people think that we're going to stifle the Spirit in our services if we don't if we don't just have no plan. And um, we have a run sheet in our church and uh, it's often drawn the comment from people um, that there's no room for the Holy Spirit if you have a run sheet. That, that's like, run sheet, <laughs> no Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now I want to I lay some foundations here because I, I don't think that's an accurate assumption to say that if you, if you have a, a, a plan for your service that then... God can't move. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So let me set the ground rules about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is big enough, is sovereign enough, is amazing enough to cut through any run sheet anytime he likes and get to the heart of a person. See, the reason we have a run sheet in our church, and, and this is foundational because I don't want people to ever say, oh, we're not a spirit-led church. Because we do things like that. See, the run sheet is for us because we don't know what we're doing. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what's he's, what he's doing. But it's, it makes us more efficient with our time so that the Holy Spirit has more time to do what he wants to do in people's hearts. And sometimes, I mean, I've been in church plenty of times when the musicians didn't even know what key they're supposed to be in. I mean, that, that was, but the Spirit was moving, so, and, and some people have a, have a memory of the past saying, oh, but the Holy Spirit was in those songs and, 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 and the, the awesomeness of the meetings. I'm thinking they didn't even know how to take up an offering. I mean, they, they, they said, we're going to take up the offering now, and then it takes 10 minutes before the person with the buckets realises. Oh, and then they said, oh, that, that, bit, that bit of the service is all finished and over, and they didn't even receive the offering. They didn't collect it. I mean, that, these are the simple things why you have a run sheet so that so that you have more time for the ministry to take place in people's lives. And you know, when, when you're just in church like we've been doing, the Holy Spirit ministers to people w without anything even being said. But if you have no plan, if the, the song leaders don't even know what song's coming next and all that kind of stuff, you know something, there, there's less chance that people are going to have an impact or an or a involvement with, with God at that level. So um, people from all over the world 
now that we're moving on to the message now, that was just my little, you know, thing. People from all over the world are known for their accents. You know, in the English language, uh, it has many accents. You, you can tell where different people have come from, from different English-speaking countries because of their accent. So I, I believe that, that, that the Spanish language has accents. I went to a Spanish church with a friend of mine who was from Peru, and we go in, and I'm just thinking, well, they're speaking Spanish, they're singing Spanish, and, and the preacher gets up to preach, and my friend says, man, he's a Mexican. I'm thinking, how do you know that? Because he knows his accent. Um, Italians have accents, Italians have dialects and, and so you can tell a different Italian from the part of Italy they come from and they're only like 12 kilometres apart but they speak a different dialect because it's so small. But uh, we all have accents but Peter, getting biblical now, the Apostle Peter was identified as one of Jesus' disciples because of his Galilean accent. When Jesus was on trial, the, the, the people around the fire uh, at, at the trial were saying, well, you must be one of his disciples because you, you're Galilean. We can tell your accent. Now, Judges 12, verse 5 and 6 is an interesting story about accent. And I know I want to keep this on the Holy Spirit, but stay with me. when I haven't lost my place. Stay with me here. It says, Jephthah captured the shallow crossings of the Jordan. I'm not going into the whole background of the story. So there's a war going on. And this guy, Jephthah, is a commander of an army. He says, he captured the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And whenever a fugitive from Ephraim, who he was at war with, tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him. Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim, they would ask. If the man said, no, I'm not, they would tell him to say, Shiboleth. If he was from Ephraim, he would say, Shiboleth. Because people from Ephraim cannot... Um, uh, cannot pronounce the word correctly. Then they would take him and kill him at the shallow crossings of the Jordan. In all, 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. Wouldn't you think if you're an Ephraimite, you'd be saying, Sibboleth, 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 Sibboleth. <laughs> See, in this story, having the wrong accent cost you your life. It's, you know, I know that they're, they're, this is, could be mean, but I don't want anyone to take offence if you're listening to this from this country, we love you immensely. But it's like asking a New Zealander to say, <laughs> to say absent. They'd say absent. But that's a lovely, a lovely spin on the English language. Well, that's just an example of a accent. And we can tell, we can tell pretty well, easily, where someone's come from. If we speak English, we, we know... Uh, people even tell me, what's that accent you've got? What you, it's, it's Melbourne. <coughs> Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay, John chapter, four, uh, ch chapter 8. Sorry. What the? No, that's the wrong one. Delete that. Who does, who does my PowerPoints and <laughs> deliberately ruins them for me? Just watch this. Look at that. It's the wrong one. Don't worry about it. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, 
they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know how that one got there. I must, oh, it's later on. Leave that there until about 10 minutes. <laughs> See, the people of Samaria, uh, they're a despised ethnic group that no Jew would willingly have anything to do with. The Jews so despise them. There's not even a comparison of our, um, of our culture, of, of a group that we would say, they are just so despised that, that we would never want to have anything to do with that group of people. That They were totally despised by the Jews. Actually, the Jews despised every other culture. They were like, we are, we are it and we don't, we don't like anyone else. We don't want to have anything to do with anyone else. So the Samaritans definitely had a different accent. They even had a different language. But as they came to Christ, as they came into faith, into this new uh, teaching of Jesus, um, they received the Holy Spirit, which was like a heaven accent that was given to them, which really would have messed up the disciples' thinking. Um, they were given a new language and a new way of seeing life. So God was doing that with a group that the, that the Jews would think could never be saved. Now, anthropologists, now that's a big word, I know. Anthropologists, they're men who study ants. No, they're not. I said, I said that to someone this, at, at home, I said that to one of my kids. You know what an anthropologist is? Someone who studies ants. No, it's not. Someone who studies history of mankind or something. Uh-huh. Okay, good, yeah. Thanks to Neil. She gave me the, the key. But anthropologists identify that thinking patterns are connected to our language. And subcultures in our society have their own accent spin on language. And so, you know, I'm not going to go into all that. But, but it is really important that, that the language that we speak is connected to what we believe and, and our outlook on life. Our, our perspectives are, are, can be, can be uh, altered by our first language. So when you're an Italian, you're, the, thing, the culture that most, is most important is the food and the gaining of food and the volume of food. But we need to have a heavenly, this is the key, you've got to get this, don't miss this point. We need to have a heavenly accent that God understands and that the world around us can hear. That's the most important thing that I want you to understand here this morning. We need to have a heavenly accent that God understands so that when we communicate, when we pray, when we, when we want God to hear us, we've got to be speaking an accent that he says, I understand that and I can respond to that. So there is an, ac uh, there is an accent people have that opposes heaven's accent. We're born with that accent. It's like a Samaritan accent that we're not really part of the kingdom of God when we're, when we're just natural human beings. We're, we're, we're like a Samaritan to a Jew who's separated and disconnected from the language that we should and could be speaking. But as we saw with the Samaritans, God poured out the Holy Spirit, gave them a language that, they, that made them right with God. This is too deep. Even if the stupid scriptures aren't in the right place, it doesn't matter. The baptism of the Holy Spirit brings with it an accent that gives us the accent of heaven. And heaven's accent cuts across 
every social and ethnic barrier and joins the church together. So I don't want to hear people saying, well, we want an Aboriginal church and we want a Greek church and we want a Croatian church or we want an Anglo church. When we have the Holy Spirit in operation in, in the church, we should see every culture and people coming together under the, the, the Holy Spirit that breaks down every, every barrier. Because if a Jew and a, and a Samaritan could, could be baptised in the Holy Spirit, then that means everyone on the earth can be, and they can come into the same church, worship the same Jesus, and have the same impact wherever they go. See, the world needs to hear the accent of heaven. The world needs to hear the accent of heaven and they'll hear the accent of heaven through you, through the way you speak. Because these days uh, uh, we see that wrong becomes right and right becomes wrong and we need the accent of heaven. So there needs to be uh, people in, in parliament with the accent of heaven. There needs to be people in schools and universities with the accent of heaven. There needs to be farmers and fishermen with the accent of heaven. Wherever you are needs the accent of heaven. Where you are. So people say about us, so people say about you, there is something different in your accent. There's something different in the way you approach life. There's something different in the way you see. There's something different in the way you talk that, that is is supernatural, that is from heaven, that is not normal. I used to love it when, I actually used to hate it actually, when people used to say to me, you're not normal, Rob. <laughs> you're not normal, let's still say. And that was from the best dressed farmer on the Air Peninsula just right there. I remember, I, I can tell you a story, when I was at Mount Barker, I was, I was, I was an associate pastor there, and I was in my office one day, and, and um, they changed some biscuits. And I bought, I had a pack of these biscuits, and I, they were different. Like, I, won't, I won't say the name, I'm not going to embarrass the company who does these biscuits, but they totally changed the biscuit. I was like, what? They can't just do that. So I read the pack, it was like a, there's a line you can ring. I rang up and the, 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 the administrator was out, out so in, the, in the foyer, in the foyer office. And I'm like, you've changed these biscuits, they're just nothing like what they used to be. You can't, you can't just do that. And, and I let them know, gave them, a, gave them a complaint, hung up the phone. And, and this guy looks at me and goes, you're not normal, Rob. <laughs> John chapter 14, verses 15 and 17. I think that one was there. <clears throat> Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and now and later will be in you. You see, call it growing in the spirit. The real benefit of the Holy Spirit is to initiate and cultivate change within us to maturity in our faith. And as the Samaritan believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
God will initiate not only individual change, but community change starting in the church. See, the most Pentecostal thing, and I know we can be very Pentecostal and think Pentecostal means different things to different people, but the most Pentecostal thing you can do is to be in unity with your church. Acts chapter 2, the fullness of the Holy Spirit was displayed when the church were all together in one place. This isn't just geographical location, but a heart attitude of your life. 2 Chronicles 5.13, we've read at the start, it says the trumpeters and the singers and the musicians in unison. That means they're all together with one heart preempted the cloud of God's glory. And that's what we ought to be desiring. So I said this in the prayer meeting earlier on today, is, is um, we don't just come to church and sing songs because it's something to do to fill in the time. Otherwise, people will go home from church and say, well, we didn't have enough time in church. It's, it's a place where when the believers and the musicians and the singers begin to worship and uh, together in unity, giving their focus up to God, then miracles can happen now. The, the presence of God begins to come now. When, I, when I'm in a worship service, I can look around and, and I, I don't really notice much about music. But what I can notice is when people are being touched by God. When you can sense that people are being ministered to by the presence of the Holy Spirit and their lives are changing. That's what we need to be desiring from coming together. And you can't do that fully at home with a Hillsong CD, although Hillsong's really good. But, but you can't do that alone. It's why God created us to have church and community together so that we can experience the fullness of the cloud of God's glory. And you do that together. <clears throat> So that point was the most Pentecostal thing you can do is be in unity with your church. You want to be Pentecostal, find a church you love and be in unity with that vision. Be in unity with that purpose. Get on board and say, well, I'm here in the right place because I know God wants me here. Because life is too short and your mission too important to spend it in the wrong place complaining about everything that's happening around you. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. How's that for an accent? That's not just an accent, that's a whole complete language. That's just a whole complete reprogram of what you're speaking. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to be experienced, not studied. You can't study into the Holy Spirit. You can't, you, you can't learn it in a book. It's something you have to desire and experience. I can tell you all about skydiving. I can go skydiving. But if I stay in the plane, I haven't skydived. I can read a book all about it. I can know all how it works. But I can never, I can, you know, it's not about telling you all about it. I can never experience until I've done it, which I'm never going to do just in case. <clears throat> because you, you study, and I'm not against study, get, don't get me wrong, but you study with the mind, and if you study too much things that you need to experience in the spirit, you'll miss the spirit. 
So sometimes you just have to say, God, I want to experience more. And the way in which that comes into our life is by having a hunger and a desire and a reaching out to God. And then when we have that, God will start to move. <clears throat> our spiritual experience often begins in prayer for our external world. Some, you know, we've got to be crying out to God. Prayer is important. But our spiritual experience often begins with our prayers and our prayers often start when, when we're you know, early on in our journey and I hopefully they do change as we grow into maturity is we start by praying prayers like, Lord, I need a job. Lord, I need somewhere to live. Uh, Lord, I, I need tyres <coughs> for my car. <clears throat> they're, they're the kind of base prayers that we often start with in, in our experience with God. And there's nothing essentially wrong with that. But as we grow spiritually, as the Holy Spirit fills us, and we, we learn and we grow and we're developing, um, our emphasis moves from our needs and we start to see the needs of others. And also, our internal world ought to be growing as we see our spiritual condition and the condition of our life as it really is. And our prayer begins to change for an internal change where you need to have those things change. So we can, we can live our base of, of Christian faith is, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that. I just want to um, uh, have uh, enough money to pay for the air conditioner to get fixed. And we're praying for all those, those sorts of things. And don't stop praying prayers like that. But sometimes that's the only prayers we ever pray. And what I'm saying here to, to make it clear is, is we, as I, I believe as we mature, we get to a place where we start to see our internals more and we start to pray and ask God that, he may deliver us from things like greed, from unforgiveness, from fears, from phobias, from all these little, little internal things that can only change by a spiritual encounter of the Holy Spirit kind. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 verse 18 tells us, oh, that's handy. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. But the key thing, thing there is pray in the Spirit at all times. So praying in the Holy Spirit takes us out of our natural accent because when we're praying, Lord, I, I just need some tyres. Lord, I just need a car park. Lord, I, I, you know, just pray for, 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 for whatever those, those natural things that surround us and never going spiritually deeper. This praying is, praying in the Holy Spirit gives us uh, the, the, the desires and the influence for our prayers that comes from the Holy Spirit. Because our natural accent denies faith. Our accent is clouded by other distractions. So the devil doesn't care if you spend all your prayers praying about new shoes. He doesn't care about praying all your prayers about the bills. You know, God wants to meet you in all those things. I'm not saying don't pray those prayers. But the devil doesn't care if that's all you ever pray about. But he does get intimidated and, and uh, I guess, agitated when you start saying, Lord, change me. 
Lord, I'm starting to see things in me that, that I, don't, I know don't reflect you. I know that, that I've, I've, I want to deal with this negativity. Lord, I want to deal with this fear. Lord, I want to feel, I want to deal with these issues in me. And so often it's so easy to be you know, saying, looking at the issues in others when God just wants to deal with an issue with you. That's why I went like that then. Because some preachers say, there's always three fingers pointing back. Well, But our natural accent denies faith because our accent is clouded with other distractions. Our earthly human accent disadvantages us for spiritual breakthrough. So that's why it's important that we pray in the spirit. And we need to, we need to uh, develop the ability to hear in the spirit, to pray in the spirit. And it's, it, it's an area that we need to grow in as individuals. So the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to pray. Romans 8 verse 26 says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot cannot be expressed in words. See, the heaven accent speaks with God's influence and separates us from our own distractions. So when we pray, we are filled with God's purpose and not our own. So let me finish with a, with a note I was given yesterday. And it's written from an eight-year-old girl given to a kid's church pastor. I have to give thanks to Tanil for passing this on to me. She's a kids pastor at uh, Planet Shakers in Melbourne. But this is a little note and this is what I believe we should be expecting and believing God for and praying for in the spirit for this kind of interaction that God has with people. Now, I'll just uh, emphasize this again. This this note is from an eight-year-old girl and says this. At church on Sunday morning, I was praising God and while I was praising, while I was praising him, God gave me a vision. That that gets my attention. I looked around at all the kids in the room. They all looked different, sort of hard to explain, but I could see God in them. They all looked holy and that moment I felt in my heart, God said that he had a plan for each and every one of them. He said to me that he wanted all his children in the room to praise and worship him because he wants to work in their lives. He wants others to know him and he wants to use us to do this. He said to talk to him and spend time with him. God wants us to change the world so he is our creator. He is our father and he knows what is best for us. He loves us all so much and he wants us to make the world a better place. And no matter what, he'll be with us every step of the way. This is an eight-year-old girl having the accent of heaven. The Holy Spirit has influenced her thinking and is moving in her heart. 
And I'll tell you something, we're selling ourselves short if we don't desire and determine to go after God at that kind of a level. <clears throat> Why don't you just stand to your feet with me this morning? Because I believe the Holy Spirit today is able to come into your life, to change the accent of your life. And I think we've done a disservice in years gone by by asking, I mean, it's, it's not bad to ask people that have never been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit to experience that. I believe in that. I think there is, a, there is a defining moment in our life when we can say, well, I was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Right throughout the book of Acts, we see it happened over and over again. But we've got to get past a, a culture in church that we make those things events and not a life. So we can say, well, I had an event. I, I did that at, at the event and, and I spoke in other languages once. You know what? God wants you to have the accent of heaven every day. He wants you to have that influence of heaven every day. It's a life, not an event. <clears throat> so dealing today with that, if you're here today and you're saying, well, I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here and wants to baptize you. Perhaps you're thinking, well, but I've got so many distractions. My life is so clouded by all the things that happen in my world that I often are speaking with the wrong accent. And that's a, that can be a real key to why so many of us have unanswered prayers. Because we're speaking in a language that God's saying, well, I don't respond to that language. I don't respond to that kind of, that kind of language. We've got to be speaking to God with an accent from heaven that he says, I respond to that. I respond to faith. I respond to hope. I respond to love. When we're praying prayers that are outside of all those things, and God has no obligation whatsoever to respond to. So dealing with life distractions and discovering inner strength and peace that the Holy Spirit brings. God wants to touch you there today. And I want to see people here begin the journey of living with a new accent from the Holy Spirit. And it's a gift from, from heaven, from God, to you and you know what the question is some people want to argue about the baptism of the Holy Spirit well it was for then it's not for today and all this sort of stuff I have one question for you today when somebody offers you a gift what's the appropriate way to respond you know there's a few answers there but you know that's, that's it when someone offers you a gift thank you Take it and rush away somewhere and unwrap it. <clears throat> but learn to take the gifts that God has for you. I want to pray for people this morning. And we're going to lay hands on people and, and believe in faith that God will, you know, if, if you've never experienced the baptism, the fullness of the Holy Spirit like that, you can this morning right here today. Perhaps you're saying, you know, Lord, I just want to speak with a new accent I have my biggest trouble is my mouth the Holy Spirit wants to do something in you today you've got to activate it you can't just say oh well I had a prayer now I'm going to speak good or forever no you've got you've got to you got to think first before you talk you got to say Holy Spirit what should I say here and God will will minister through you to people to the world because the world 
needs the accent of heaven today more than ever before. In these days where wrong is right and right is wrong, the only thing that's going to change that is the accent of heaven working through us. So as the musicians sing, I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to have the team, Pastor Kylie, Pastor Pauline, Pastor Michael, uh, Josh, a few of others who will call out. And we'd love to pray with you this morning. But don't miss this opportunity for your appointment to touch God. So we're just going to invite you to come. You're going to stand along the front here and we'll come to you and pray with you. But just want to ask you to respond to the Lord this morning. Thanks, Jimmy.